Well, amen. Thank you, Emily. And uh, thank Emily and Sean. They did a great job teaching the last couple of weeks while we were on vacation. Would you thank them for that? If you missed it, if you missed it, again, you can go on our website and you can hear fabulous sermons from Sean and Emily. Um, today, you just get me. So whatever it is, you just get, right? Uh, it's good to be back with you. And uh, you guys lost your sense of humor while I was gone because you missed that joke. But it is good to be back with you today. And it's great to be here uh, we had a fabulous vacation. We just had a, an, an incredible time getting away, and uh, we went to the New England states and kind of a bucket list kind of trip. We got to view the fall foliage, and we hit it just right. And the good news is, the good news is, is we only almost died once. Well, I almost died twice, but, but, but let me tell you a story. So, so our goal was just to go up to the New England states. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut between kindergarten and third grade. So we were going to show Carrie Ann. I was going to show Carrie Ann where I grew up there. And, and we we're just going to go and tour. And we wanted to see the beautiful fall foliage. And so uh, we, we actually got an Airbnb cabin in New Hampshire, a place called Grafton. And it's in the White Mountains National Forest. And while we were there, we got to the cabin. It was like, uh, what are we going to do while we're here? Because we really only had plans to go see fall colors. So they had a guest book there in the cabin, and we began paging through it, and they talked about going and hiking on Mount Carnegie. Well, we had anticipated doing some hiking, and, and we liked the outdoors, so we were like, yeah, let's do this. So we got up that next morning, went and got breakfast, asked the local server there. She said, yeah, here's where you want to go, and so we did. We went to the west side of Mount Carnegie. We hiked up. It took us quite a while, you know, but it was a little bit rough, but when we saw a mom with three kids between the ages of eight and three and a half, because we asked, how old's that one? And she said, oh, he's three and a half. And they were making the trail. Well, we flatlanders, and here at the beach, we are flatlanders, um, we decided we could make the trek as well. And it wasn't bad. We made it up there. And I want to tell you, the pictures do not do it justice. I, I thought I'd show you a picture anyway, but, but it does not do it justice. But we finally made it to the top, and we celebrate it being at the top of Mount Carnegie, and there, here's a shot of me up there on top of Mount Carnegie, and you can just imagine what the, the vibrancy of the color is from up there. It was just amazing. Well, the next day, we, we, following uh, the guidance of our server, our local server, we decided to go drive in the Kangamungus Trail, and it's a scenic highway through the White Mountains, and, and it was just beautiful. I mean, you can see the, the beauty and the colors that were there, and they were just Tons of people driving because it was the time, it was the season, and it was absolutely gorgeous. But, but literally, we spent just about all day in the car. So the next morning, we got up and we said, you know, we don't want to drive again. We, we want to get out and hike around. We're kind of active people. So we said, I had the brilliant idea, brilliant idea. Well, instead of going up the west side of Mount Carnegie, let's go up the east side of Mount Carnegie. And there's a number of trails going up. And so we get to the, the base camp, if you will. And right there, and it's actually part of the Appalachian Trail. And we get there, and we're trying to figure out what trails do we want to take. And so we see this sign that's there. And, and I want to read to you what's on the sign. You, you probably can't see that, but the sign says recommended trips. And there's three categories, three categories. There's easy, intermediate, and challenging. Of course, I go straight to challenging, right? And so uh, I read this, and it says... Mount Carnegie via Holt Trail, 5.2 miles. That's not bad. Here's the description. A steep scramble up open ledges, maybe dangerous in wet or icy conditions. Return via Firescrew Manning Trail. I thought, there's not, it's not raining. 
it's too warm for ice. This is our trail, right? And so we decided that, well, I decided that the Holt Trail was the one we, we ought to go up. We ought to do this, right? And my wife, we had quite a little bit of debate. Um, we asked another gentleman there who looked like a more experienced hiker what he thought, and he gave us his opinion, which was wrong. And anyway, we decided ultimately that we would go up the Holt Trail. Now, I told her, I said, if we get to the hard parts, we get to the hard parts, um, if you're uncomfortable, we'll turn around and come back, and we'll, we'll loop around on the Manning Trail and go up to the top. So did I tell you that Carrie Ann has an extreme fear of heights, by the way? So um, we start going up the whole trail, and there's this one part that's a little sketchy, and uh, we get through that, and there's no turning back. Now, obviously, that's not Carrie Ann on the whole trail. Um, I stole that picture off the internet, but we were there, and um, yeah, you wonder where the rope is, because you really <laughs> need it. A rope, and that's another shot of the trail there going up. Um, needless to say, this became a little harrowing, and and I thought that maybe we had made the wrong choice when I heard Carrie Ann holding on to a rock ledge similar to that, but I couldn't find a shot of actually where she was, and Lord knows I couldn't take a picture because I was holding on for dear life myself, and I heard Carrie Ann say, "Oh dear God." And she began to pray. Now, here's the truth. She doesn't even remember that. But I'm telling you, she was praying. And I know that because I was praying right behind her because she was climbing in front of me. And I thought, here's my thought. I thought, God, if she slips, I got to try to catch her. Because if she slips and falls and dies and I don't try to catch her, at least if I try to catch her, maybe I'll catch her, maybe I won't. But if if I don't, then we die together, but, but I got to try, because if I stay on the rock and she dies, she'll come back and haunt me. <laughs> In all reality, I, I, I'll be honest, I was, I was, I would say nervous, I was scared. It, it was, it was steep, it was harrowing. And so, so we made it, though, we made it to the top, we kept getting closer and closer and closer, and we finally made it to the top, and we got there, and I said, Carrie Ann, we made it, you conquered your fears, you were so courageous, you just kept taking step after step, you didn't stop, there was a moment on the rock where I thought she was going to freeze, and she was just going to stop, and I thought, what am I going to do if she just stops, but she didn't, and I said, don't you feel exhilarated, and she smiled, and she said, yes, no, she didn't. That's a staged picture about 20 minutes afterwards. This is actually more like the picture when we got up there. <laughs> and here's what she said. I, I, and I did say all that. I did. I said, well, you were just so courageous. Don't you feel great? You did it. And she said, that was the stupidest thing we've ever done in our lives. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah, but you did it. She goes, I will never do it again. And it really got me thinking. It got me thinking a little bit about courage. Because she had a lot of courage up there. She was just amazing. She was amazing. But, but what is the difference between courage and foolishness? You ever thought about that? I mean, what is the real difference between being courageous, taking on a challenge, and, and being foolish? And where does courage come from? Are you born with courage? Is everybody born with courage or... Or do some people have more courage than others? Or does it matter the circumstance that you're in? Some people are courageous when it comes to snakes. And some people are courageous when it comes to spiders. And then there's the weird people that are courageous in both of them, right? But, but all of us have different courage. 
Is courage a gift from God? Should you pray for courage? Now, this is interesting to me because here, here, here's what we find, and we study the Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible. God tells us to be courageous. In fact, there's a, a book in the Bible by the name of Joshua, and all throughout chapter 1, Joshua, he becomes the leader of the nation of Israel once they are getting ready to enter into the promised land. Moses dies, Joshua's the new leader, and over and over and over, in fact, just read Joshua chapter 1. I think it's over seven times God says to Joshua, be strong and what? What's that word? Courageous. Be strong and courageous. And in the New Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus comes walking to his disciples on the water, right? And Matthew records this verse. He says this. Matthew tells us that when Jesus came walking on the water towards him, Jesus said to them immediately when the disciples were freaking out, take what? Courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, isn't it it interesting? Jesus doesn't say pray for courage. He doesn't say think about courage. He says be courageous. He says take courage. Where does that come from? Now, why is that so important for us? Well, here's why I think this is so important for us. Because one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 10, 10. And it's, it's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says. And this is why I think courage is important. Jesus says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Again, this is Jesus. But I, Jesus, came that they, followers of Jesus, may have life and have it abundantly. Now, the thief is who? The thief is Satan. And Satan, what's Satan trying to do? Well, he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want you to have the life that God wants you to have. In fact, he wants to bring hurt, pain, and destruction to you. Now, why is that? Just to pause, just think about this for a moment. Why is that? Well, because Satan tried to dethrone God, right? That didn't work. And then Satan tried to do away with God on the cross. That was Satan's best shot, was to see the Son of Man crucified. And that didn't work. Now, the only thing Satan has left is is to try to destroy the thing that God loves the most. And you know what that is? That's you and me you and me and that's what he's up to that's the work that he's doing but jesus said i have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly but here's what i found here's what i found if if you want this abundant life which we describe as a life that has deep relationship with god deep relationship with one another and a purpose bigger than yourself and really living into that and knowing the abundance of that a deep relationship with God, deep relationship with other people, and a purpose bigger than yourself. If you want to live into that, friends, it is going to take courage. It's going to take courage. And here's what I found. If, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe this verse that I just read to you is why you're not a follower of Jesus. Because you look around and you see a lot of followers of Jesus that aren't living this abundant life. Rather, they're living a woe-is-me kind of life. They're waiting for God to do something incredible, and God is waiting on that person, maybe you and me, to be more courageous. Because, see, if we want to live this abundant life that God has, if we want to thrive more than just survive, it is going to take courage. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been feeling 
more defeated than completed? That's a good preacher rhyme right there. I like it. But it's awful true, isn't it? You're feeling more defeated than completed. You're feeling left out. You're feeling less than the abundant life that God has for you in terms of a relationship with God, relationship with others, and a purpose bigger than yourself. Then I've got good news for you. And the good news, first, is that you're not alone because misery loves company. But the better news is, is you don't have to stay there. You can find this abundant life that God has for you, but it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. Let me remind you once again, it's on the screen for you today. If all you want to do is survive, just keep the status quo, keep things as is, then courage is not needed. But if you want to thrive, if you want to delve into the abundant life that God has for you, it is going to take courage. I mean, just think back in your own life. I mean, I've done this this week. Think back in your own life. I would dare say that all of us in this room have times in our life, no matter what age we are, that we look back and we wish we would have been more courageous. We wish we would have taken a chance. We wish we would have stood up for that person. We wish we would have taken that job or made that trade or bought that house or invested in this thing called Apple when nobody knew what it was, right? We all can look back and we can say, I wish there was that that point. And my guess today is that many of us in this room are wrestling with something that we are struggling with and it's calling us to be courageous. It's calling us to have that conversation, that full conversation where we share the last 5% of the truth with our employees or with our boss or with our family members where it's calling us to step outside of our comfort zone into that which is unknown. It's calling us to make a commitment. It's calling us to to volunteer, maybe to be part of something that's going to be a sacrifice of your time and maybe of your money, of your resources. But, But there's just something that's calling you to it. Courage to write that check or courage to ask for that favor. So where does that kind of courage come from? What would it take to push you over the edge and to be courageous? And, and how do I know that it's something that, that is something that is an act of courage and not an act of foolishness? Those are all great questions. And today, we want to look at a guy by the name of Gideon to help us understand this thing called courage. Now, if you have your Bible or you have something with your Bible on it, you can go ahead and open that to, to Judges chapter 6. That's where we find this guy named Gideon. Gideon lived during the time of Israel. He was part of the nation of Israel, God's people, during the time of the judges. It's got a book of the Bible named after that time period in Israel. It is a time when Israel lived in the promised land, the land that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to into the promised land. But here's the deal. They were having problems in the promised land. Things were not going well. In fact, you'll get into the story in, Genesis, or in Judges chapter 6. You'll begin reading that the enemies, specifically the Midianites, were coming in and they were, they were like locusts. They were decimating the people of Israel. They were stealing all their crops. They were stealing their animals. And they were not leaving any sustenance for the people of Israel. Literally, they were, they were just starving them out. 
making them so weak that they could come in and just conquer, conquer all the land. Well, that's where, <clears throat> excuse me, that's where we pick up the story. That's where we find Gideon. He is living during this day of deprivation. And so we find Gideon. The story begins, uh, Genesis 6, chapter 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite. I almost had it. The Abizrite. There's not another R in there, but I put it there, right? Um, Where his son, Gideon, Joash's son is Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, just get get a picture of this. In that day, when you threshed wheat, you know what wheat is? It's, it kind of grows on a, grain, a stalk, and at the top there's kernels. And they would cut the stalk, and then they would bring the, the whole stalk in, and, and they, would, they would thresh it, or they would literally take a rake and throw it in the air, and they would let the chaff blow away the, the kind of skin part, and they would hope that the kernel would fall to the ground so they could collect it, and, and they would use that for food. That's wheat. Um, now, what Gideon is doing is he's in a wine press. Now, a wine press really in that day was like a pit, a hole in the ground. It's where you put your grapes and you just stomped on them or did whatever you did to the grapes to make wine. But Gideon is in there threshing wheat in secrecy. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's got some food because he's trying to feed his family. And he doesn't want the enemies to find out and come and steal it or simply destroy it. So he is fearful threshing this wheat. So we, we go on. We continue reading here. It says that when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon while he's threshing this wheat, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, that's a funny name for a coward threshing wheat in, the, in a wine press, right? And so here's what Gideon says. Listen to what Gideon says. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now think about what Gideon is saying. He's saying, God, if you're real, if this is really you, then what have you been up to, dude? Have you been sleeping? I mean, where is all your power? We are your people. You're supposed to be taking care of us. You're supposed to be defeating the enemies for us. Now, again, I hope you read Judges or Judges chapter 6 because it gives you some insight on what's happening in Israel and how the Israelites have turned away from God. But what Gideon is saying to God is like, look, why haven't you done something? Why haven't you shaken some of your magic pixie dust and make the Midianites go away, right? Now, before we get too down on Gideon, and think, wow, what a selfish prayer. You ever prayed that prayer? God, you got to fix my marriage. you got to fix it, God. you got to straighten her out. Just fix her, right? you got to fix my kids. God, you got to fix my job. God, I have been tithing and giving to your church. You have to fix my finances. God, you got to fix my health. I've prayed you gotta, you got you to fix this, God. you gotta, you got to do whatever voodoo you do, right? Wow, I never thought I'd say that about God. Anyway, um, you got to do that magic that you do, and God is powerful. Let's not take that away and fix it. But look what the reply is. Look at what the angel replies to Gideon. The Lord, the angel of the Lord, 
turned to him and said, watch this, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now, here's what we don't get. We don't, when we read text, we don't get facial expressions. We don't know the full context of what he was saying here. I mean, was, was the angel of the Lord of the Lord, it's kind of confusing who it is, but obviously it is a messenger from God or God himself. Um, is he kind of saying this tongue-in-cheek? <laughs> all right, buddy. You go. You, you think you're so hot and all that stuff? You go take care of it. You go fix the problem. Go on the strength you got. See what you get out of that big guy. Is that what the angel of the Lord was saying to Gideon? Go on the strength you have? Well, I don't think so, because, because a little bit later on, we'll, we'll realize that, that Gideon... He doesn't look at himself as being this great leader. He doesn't look at himself as having any strength at all. So what, what, is, what is the Lord saying to him here? Or is God saying something maybe more challenging to Gideon? Gideon, go in the strength that you have because I believe in you, right? I believe you can make a difference. I want to, watch this use you see that verse is actually completed here it says go in the strength you have and save israel out of midian's hand here's what the the verse concludes am i not sending you see what this is this is an invitation to gideon the the angel of the lord the lord is inviting gideon to live into his full potential and make a difference to find that purpose that is bigger than himself. And he's saying, am I not sending you? I want to work through you. And have you ever noticed, have you read the scriptures? You ever noticed that God normally works through people? I mean, when God wanted to save the children of Israel out of slavery, what did he do? He brought Moses on the scene to lead the people out of slavery. Did he have to do that? No, no. He could have just sent a plague and just killed all the Egyptians. And then they would have been freed. But he didn't. He chose to use Moses as his instrument to bring life. Think about New Testament. Mary and Joseph. You all know Christmas is coming, right? Advent is coming. Um, All of a sudden, God comes to Mary and says, Mary, I want to do what? I want to use you. I want to give you a purpose that you cannot imagine. And Mary's like, who, me? And the angel of the Lord said, yes, you. Did God have to bring his son through Mary? No, he could have chosen anybody. He could have, before time, figured out a different way. You know, there was a prophecy that the virgin would bear a child, so he had to complete what he said, but, but he could have not said that earlier, see. But what did he do? He chose to work through people. We like to say around here, we are God's hands and his feet. And here's what we know about all these people. All of them thought the task was too big for them. And I believe all of them could have said no. Moses could have said no. He tried to. God kept on him, and he finally relented, but he could have said no. Mary could have said no, but she didn't. David goes to fight Goliath. David could have said, nope, not me, but he didn't. All of them could have said no. 
And if they would have, they would have all missed the opportunity of a lifetime. They would have missed that purpose that is bigger than themselves. And every one of them had the courage to face the unknown, to conquer their fear. The fear of leaving the safety of the known, even though the known may not be very safe, but at least you know it, for that which is unknown. See, and that's what was in Gideon's heart was fear. He was fearful. Look what he says. He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replies, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. That was the tribe he was part of. And I am the least in my family. And here's the deal. None of that's true. I mean, read Judges chapter 6. None of that's true. He says, I'm the least. I'm weak. What can I do? Dude, your family has two oxen. You'll read later where he actually sacrifices the oxen. But, but you have oxen. You did not allow the Midianites to come in and steal the oxen. You've got grain. You've got crops. You've got food. You're one of the few who figured out a way, even though you were afraid you were hidden. In, in other words... God sees something in you. And he wants to call you out for something even, even more. Now, I'm not saying Gideon had the power within himself to defeat the enemy, the Midianites. He knew that. But see, what I'm saying is is that Gideon already saw himself as defeated. And if you see yourself as defeated, you will never have courage. If you see yourself as less than, as unable, as less than God's prized possession and his worthy child of his love and grace, then you will never have courage. And Gideon had to get a new view of who that he was. And the angel of the Lord is coming to him saying, I see who you really are. And I want you to live into that. But to live into that, it takes what? Courage. It takes courage. And courage is always seen through our actions. And look what, look what God says to, the angel of the Lord says to Gideon here at the end. In verse 16, the Lord answers him and he says to Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. The angel of the Lord tells Gideon, if you would just be courageous, I am inviting you to make a change to help bring change and health and wholeness to the nation of Israel. But you've got to be courageous. See, I believe that courage is something that unlocks or unleashes God's power in our lives. I believe courage is that which can unleash God's power in our life. And Gideon found out that to be true. Now, Gideon would take the very next step into this courageous act that God had given to him. In fact, courage is always seen through action. We're going to get into that in just a second. Um, But his next step probably isn't the one you think it is. And I want to encourage you to to read Judges chapter 6 to get into our connection points, which are all in your bulletin, to go a little deeper into this topic. But today, as we kind of end up our time together, I want to talk to you about this thing called courage that we see in Gideon and that we wrestle with for ourselves. If God were to sit there and call to you, would you be courageous? See, courage is more than just belief in who God is, isn't it? It's more than just 
belief that, that, he, that God loves us and he created us and he's good and that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could have a relationship with him, a deeper relationship with others, and, and he's given us a purpose bigger than ourselves. See, that's great, and that's called faith. I believe this, right? But courage is taking the first step into the direction that God is leading us or into the direction of what is right. You see, you can talk about being courageous all you want, but the reality is is you will never know how much courage you have until you take a step. Courage is always seen in your hands and your feet. Well, if I was there, I'd have told you what I would have done. (laughs) You don't know what you'd have done until you're there. And the reality is, once you're there, the question is, how courageous are you? Because courage is not just a belief what I would do. It is the actual taking a step, not a huge step, but a step in the direction that God is leading us. One of my favorite sayings, we stole it from from my brother-in-law and his, his family, is simply this, and I think I misquoted a little bit, so it's really not my saying, but anyway, don't ask God to guide your steps, read that with me, if you are not willing to move your feet. Don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. See, that's courage. Courage is saying, God, guide my steps, and then when God does, you, you move. You take a step into the direction that God is leading us. You see, courage is always directional. I think that's the big difference between foolishness and courage. Courage says, I will. Now, that's a different response. It says, I will because I have been asked or because I have been led or because this is the right thing and I will step into what is right. Foolishness just says, I can. You all know the famous last words of the redneck, right? Here, hold my beer and watch this, right? That's foolishness, right? That's not courage. Courage is being called by God into something to take a step into what he is calling you to or simply a step into what is right. And see, friends, we don't need the angel of the Lord to come and tell us what is right. I mean, Emily last week stood up here and talked to us about forgiveness. She's close to the angel of the Lord. Not there, but close. And you you, you don't have to ask, God, should I forgive that person, right? Because it's the right thing to do. You don't have to ask, God, do I need to be truthful in my conversations? You don't have to ask, God, do I need to stand up for the weak, for the hurting, for the oppressed? How many of you read about that awful attack on the train in Philadelphia? Over 24 stops, this woman being sexually assaulted by a man, and nobody did anything except maybe video it. Now, now please don't hear me degrade these people, because I said earlier, you never know what you're going to do until you're there. I don't know what I would have done if I was in that situation. I'd like to think I know what I would have done, but I don't know what I would have done until I'm there. But what courage is, is it stepping up and doing the right thing in that moment, and the right thing would have been to stop it to do something, to call 911. You see, you don't need the angel of the Lord to tell you that. You know what is right. And see, God invites us to step into that. And there are times then when God invites us to step into something 
that is different for us. Maybe it's to, to host a growth group in your home and you're sitting there freaking out going, I don't know if I can do this. But I just sense that God wants me to do it. And, and it's going to be so life-giving. Or maybe God is calling you to step out and to serve in a different area of ministry or to go have a conversation with your neighbor. You see, courage always has a direction. It's always in the direction of what God is calling us to or to the direction of, of what is right. And courage always has a reward. Always does. You know what the reward of courage is? It's not success. Well, not success as we think of success. Now, Gideon, you'll find out, was successful as we think of success. But that wasn't his reward. You see, because courage and stepping into courage, doing the right thing, is always reward enough. It always is. There's a story in the Bible about a deacon named Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church. Stephen was sharing the gospel with some people and they accused him of blaspheming and trying to destroy the Jewish religion, which he wasn't. And in that moment, he was surrounded by a mob of angry men with rocks in their hands saying, is this really what you said? And in that moment, Stephen stood up and was courageous and he told them the truth. It's over in the book of Acts. You can read all about it. And they got so angry, the Bible said they they gnashed their teeth. And they drug him outside of town. They literally stoned him to death. And there when he fell before them, he looked up into heaven and he saw, the scripture says he saw God and he saw Jesus at his right hand. And he said that. And that made the people even more angry. And, and in that moment, they began to throw their rocks. And the Bible says he fell asleep. Question. Do you think if Gideon could go back in time, do you think he would go back and recant? Do you think he'd go back and say, no, 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 I didn't mean it. Sorry, my bad. Not a chance. Why? Because the reward of a courageous act moving in the direction that God is calling us to move is reward enough. It's that sense of God's favor. It's that sense of well done, good and faithful servant. It's that sense of God is with us. So where are you being called to be courageous? Maybe it's in school to sit with that person who nobody else sits with at lunch. Maybe you've decided that social media is really not your friend. And in our world, that makes you, well, weird. Maybe you refuse to get caught up in the office gossip. Maybe you refuse to get on some political bandwagon that berates other people. Maybe you stand up for biblical sexuality. Maybe you stand up for those who nobody else stands up for. Maybe you've decided that that person really does need to be forgiven. Or maybe God is directing you to some incredible journey. And he's just waiting for you to say yes. Where does that courage come from? Well, I bet that courage is already in you. And what God is doing today is he's calling it out of you.
And he's calling you. And by the way, he's calling me to take a step of courage. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come to you today, we thank you for the, for the life of Gideon and the courage that he displayed. And it reminds us, God, that you are always calling us to step out and to be faithful and to be courageous. And God, I don't know where, where everyone is in this room or watching us online, but I just imagine, God, that, that there are some people in this room that need to, need to be courageous. They need to take a stand. Maybe they need to have a conversation. Maybe they need to say yes to the direction that you are leading them in. And God, I'm not sure whether, whether as we pray, as you know, we're taught to pray even in the serenity prayer, that you would give us courage. But ultimately, God, you're not going to force us to move. You never do. But you call us to move. God, in the quietness of this moment, would you challenge our hearts and would you steady our resolve? And God, may we be courageous and take a step towards you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.